Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week's guest is someone who really accepts themselves for who they are. I feel like, honestly, when I was willing to embrace my vulnerability and say I'm not okay sometimes or I'm not perfect things started to go really well for me and I kind of believe that a willingness to be vulnerable makes you kind of invulnerable so actually like you said it became my safe space Um, and I think it would be very easy to look at someone's curated social media and think oh it's so easy for them but my whole without wanting to sound like an arsehole but brand is about being vulnerable and being yourself so if I'm going to host an event and that still does scare me a little bit I won't just be like here I am doing it and it's all perfect I'll say on my stories I have this thing coming up feeling a bit jittery now and then afterwards I'll be like oh how it went or I feel like maybe I didn't do good enough I'll just be as I am how I am when I am. Caroline Foran is someone I personally find hugely motivating she's a journalist she's co-founder of Gaff Interiors she's a podcaster and a best-selling author Owning it, her first book, tells of her experiences with anxiety and offers practical advice to deal with it. She lives with her husband, Barry, and their adorable dog, Bear, and she's currently working on her third book. We sat down to have a chat in the summer, and this is how it went. So, Caroline, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for asking me. I feel so privileged. We just stop. I'm absolutely delighted because, you know, the the few times we have met over the past, probably the last year, really, Every time I meet you, I feel like I, I bathe in your, um, your creativity. You know, and I mean this very genuinely. You're somebody who seems to just seamlessly get a lot of shit done all the time. You're constantly creating. And I just, I would love, there's so many questions I want to ask mm. you. And I suppose I'm going to go right in with, did you always know when you were, you know, a young Caroline that you were going to to be this type of creative force in the world and want to do so many different things because 
you have a lot of strings to your bow. Mm. I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, I definitely always had a creative streak I suppose I was always drawing fashion stuff on napkins when my parents would be having dinner and I was like going to be a fashion designer or a pop star it just changed all the time but it was definitely always creative always ideas and and switching from one thing to the next was always kind of my thing I'm a very overactive imagination which I think lends itself to being a creative person Um, and then as I grew up I kind of thought that I had to get into a very you know, standard job sort of situation, like whether it's a corporate environment. And I think, to be honest, fitting into that mold that I thought was required of people as they grow up gave me a lot of anxiety because I couldn't imagine sitting still for too long. And I just, it really wasn't until I had, a, I went through a very hard time with, um, with anxiety that I got, I guess, just completely propelled into this world of working for myself and doing different things but it was kind of by accident and to be honest I wouldn't have wanted it it had I known what I had to go through do you know what I mean but I was I was straight away in college like definitely drawn to anything that was with cameras or audio and um anything that was just really creative I suppose was was for me because I, I just didn't feel like I didn't have a maths brain I didn't have a science brain I was so bored by that stuff and so I started writing and I became a journalist uh, which was just, I thought, this is a job. People can get paid for this, for expressing their ideas. Um, and to, to this day, it still kind of feels like you feel like a bit of a fraud when you think about what people have to do to earn money. And here I am being like, 10 things I like about the weather. <laughs> it's not just a sign, though, that it's your calling. Because they say, you know, when you're doing what you're good at and what, you, what you're meant to be doing, you feel energised from it. You don't feel yeah. drained and it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't. And I always say, like, my husband's an engineer and I, I actually couldn't tell you what he does. He talks to me about work <laughs> and my brain just switches off. I'm like, I've no idea. He's like some sort of, I don't know, coder of some kind. And I'm there thinking, oh, well, I did. Like, I can articulate everything I'm doing because I feel, and I say it to him, like, a monkey could do what I'm doing. So I actually end up kind of dumbing down what I do I guess because it comes quite naturally, naturally to me yeah. but maybe to someone else I guess but Barry would say well getting up in front of a room of people and hosting an event he'd rather eat his own arms <laughs> and I'm like but anyone could do that yeah, you know so it's your safe zone and it's interesting because I'm sure there are people listening and I know I'm still I'm still figuring things out I feel that at the age of 40 that I'm only kind of now getting going mm-hmm. and what really uh, I'm good at or what matters to me and what I can offer but for you, like, obviously you've felt this kind of innate, I just need to create, I need to yeah. do, do, do. Um, what would you say to somebody listening who who's maybe stuck in a, in a job that is not fulfilling them? And we, you know, we all know how tough it is. You've got to pay bills. You've got to keep the show on the road. Mm-hmm. And and it is it is tough to do that. But would you have any words of wisdom from your own experience on on actually going after what you're good at. Yeah, I think it's obviously we hear all the time about people who've just quit the nine to five and gone and pursued their dreams. And that's not feasible and terrifying for a lot of people who have maybe kids at home, mortgage bills to pay. So what my advice would be, would be to, you know, people are encouraged to take an hour out to do exercise. I think take an hour out of your day if you can and and develop some sort of, I call it a side hustle. So some sort of creative outlet where it's not taking you away from your job, you're still earning your money, but you can create something, whether it's someone who's into making recipes or cooking or something that gives you that slight little buzz that you feel like it's satisfied. And then you start that slowly. And if that becomes something, then you can start to look at, well, is it actually lucrative? Could I make the switch? So you can you can gradually bring a creative element into your your already existing uh, scenario and it shouldn't drain you because it should be exciting you, like you said. And so even if it's something you do on a Sunday morning early. So I, that would be where I would start is just think about what really makes you feel good and start doing it for the love of it, not for the money. And maybe, you know, the money will come. Yeah. And you know what? You're speaking from a place of somebody who, like, you 
are very open and honest and your 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 safe space is mm. vulnerability and you've had your own struggles which is why you you went on to write uh, owning it and 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 another book and another in the in in the works right now you know you're not just preaching to somebody who is you know looking at you going well she has everything going on you are somebody who has their own struggles. I think that's just so important and I think anyone who says that to me maybe doesn't follow me and doesn't see me actually putting out my vulnerability every day and actually I feel like honestly when I was willing to embrace my vulnerability and say I'm not okay sometimes or I'm not perfect things started to go really well for me and I kind of believed that a willingness to be vulnerable makes you kind of invulnerable so actually like you said it became my safe space Um, and I think it would be very easy to look at someone's curated social media and think oh it's so easy for them but my whole without wanting to sound like an arsehole but brand is about being vulnerable and being yourself so if I'm going to host an event and that still does scare me a little bit I won't just be like here I am doing it and it's all perfect I'll say on my stories oh this thing coming up feeling a bit jittery now and then afterwards I'll be like oh how it went or I feel like maybe I didn't do good enough I'll just be as I am, how I am, when I am, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it's not just that I'm like, I want people to think I'm real. It's also a defense mechanism and a coping mechanism for me. So if I say I don't have everything figured out, no one else can say it to me. Yes, I get you. You, There's, you have no skeletons in, in the closet. So therefore, I'm invulnerable. What can you yeah, do to me? Yeah, what can you do? And do you feel that when you do that, when you go online and you, you, you express how you're feeling, that you get a strength from it? Massively. And I was only having this conversation with someone earlier like going on social media is a bit of a double-edged sword for me because I draw a lot of strength from being able to share things and you know if I have a really bad anxious day while before I would have thought put the phone away actually now what I do is I say it to my followers and it completely normalizes it for me and then people message me and they're like oh I feel that way too or like you've got this you're doing great and it's just stuff that I know I could tell myself but it's just empowering to have to know there's a network of people there for you but at the same time going on social media I guess can trigger anxiety as well because you're comparing yourself to other people you're you're under pressure to put out content regularly and to stay relevant and to be funny and to be you know because when you work for yourself it's like online it's not just like a bit of fun online and then it's my private life it's they, they've kind of blended into one yeah. um, so it's very hard to have those boundaries um, but it is definitely a really lovely experience to be able to connect with people like I actually I had a conversation with someone a woman from Bangladesh last week who found my podcast ordered my book got it delivered all the way there and she's starting this group over there to try and encourage people to talk more about mental health because it's so frowned upon over there so that to me that's amazing yeah that to me was just like wow the the power of social media in in a good way and I just try to focus more on, on those things but also obviously take myself offline and into real life where real connections are yeah, yeah. But you know what, just back to that again, isn't that what, what it's all about when you look at what a person's life purpose is? It's meant to be something that fills you up and you feel fulfilled, but then in turn, you're helping other people. And that's it in, in I mean, in the most glorious sense of the word, yeah. Bangladesh. I know, it's <laughs> so crazy. Cool. Yeah, and I, I do feel more, I used to, you know, I, I had a really hard time and I know we have all been through hard times and you can't compare one to the other, but for so long I was struggling and I just wished so much that I could be someone else or not be that way or that I wish it never happened and I just was so full of anger and regret if, mm. as if you know if I, if I chose to walk down this street instead of that one none of this would have happened and only now I'm really starting to settle with the idea that there is maybe a bigger plan and this was my purpose all along and I just know I, I don't tire of it because for me I guess if I was to summarize like my purpose it would be normalizing what we all go through 
so that everyone can feel a little bit better and lift everyone up. And I think because we're all walking around trying so hard to not show our vulnerability, whether it's professional, personal, in relationships, in with friends, and we're all actually going through all the same stuff. So why why can't we just all let go of the pretense yeah. and normalize it? And why can't a CEO say, Do you know what, I'm 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 gonna go home early. I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed today. Why do they have to be so have their shit together all the time? Because none of us do. No. So why can't we all agree to just let the shit go and be vulnerable and be accept that we're all learning all the time and that's the only way I've been able to forge ahead and do what I do and I guess for so long I thought that to be successful I had to be okay I had to be fully better or fixed or have everything figured out and I've had successes that to me I would define them as successes because they're about personal growth for me more so than financial success but I've had successes in spite of all of the stuff that makes me feel like held back yeah, it resonates with me so much because, and I'm sure to people listening as well, anyone who's gone through something big in their life that maybe shakes them up and makes them look at things a bit differently will will get what you're saying. And and for me, it was for you, it was it was having realizing that I have something that I need to, I suppose, equip myself to deal with a bit better yeah. and make myself feel a bit better. Um, and before I was diagnosed with cancer, I would have described myself as a very proud person. Mm. So despite the fact that People who knew me would say that I was, you know, I was maybe real in my ways or whatever. But I was also afraid of showing vulnerability. I wasn't brilliant at that. No, and, and I don't think it. we're good at that as Irish people as well. You know, I think we're all very, don't air your dirty laundry in public. It's probably yeah. a generational thing as well. Mm. And I remember even when I started posting on Instagram saying, you know, I had, I'm, I'm having a lot of panic attacks and I'm, I'm really, really struggling. And just sort of documenting it at, at the first first while some of my friends are like maybe you shouldn't really put that out there like maybe or my, my parents were also like oh she's actually telling the world whereas it just seems so unnatural to do that and I think that's making people suffer more yeah what happened though when was it the moment that you clicked and you went no I'm not going to listen even as as well-meaning as they are especially friends and family they they do they love you they want you know they only want the best for you but when did you realize no I have to do this for me I think for me it was a case of so I was going through really crippling anxiety. It kind of felt like it hit me out of the blue. And I went from being a very confident, happy person doing well in work to not being able to leave my house and thinking I was mentally broken and I was never going to be better. And I was absolutely terrified. And for me, what was such a hard thing was like telling everyone. And like every time a friend would come over and trying to explain it and justify it and then be like, but you look fine. But what's wrong with it? But you have a great life. But look at you, you're in a lovely apartment with your lovely boyfriend. And and I was like always feeling that made it, you know, so guilty that I was going through a hard time when people have cancer and people go through so much worse. And that was one of the hardest things. And I was like, I'm sick of trying to defend myself. It's not that anyone else was necessarily judging me, but I was definitely judging myself. Yeah. So I just thought if I put it out there, everyone will, not that everyone's thinking about me, but for me, if I put it out there, everyone will understand why I've retreated from social media, why I'm not at all the parties at the moment, why I'm I'm gone quiet, why I can't meet you for coffee. It's not because I'm being rude, it's because I can't leave my house right now. So for me to put it out there was just a massive weight off my shoulder. And I think that was honestly like step one of, for me, owning it. And to this day, whether it's a, w- a wave of anxiety or whether it's, you know, going through stressful time or, or anything I want to own it and to normalize it because you sure as hell can't make it go away yeah in the click of your fingers no w- when was that how many years ago were we talking about that now? was in 2014 so I was but yeah. I still was struggling for about a year beyond that of trying to get myself back to basics yeah. um of being able to go to the shop without feeling horrific mm. being able to you know 
go for dinner in someone else's house like or even to this day I actually I struggle you know people say oh come over for dinner and oh she might as well just stay over you're here now and I'm like oh god no get me back to my own house so <laughs> hey, it, like, I think a lot of us like that yeah so <laughs> you I like would, your own bed yeah. you like your own space oh I just and especially I but also a lot of that was embracing the way I am it wasn't like trying to be like oh I want to not feel anxious it was like well do you know what I don't want to go camping in a festival <laughs> field I'd absolutely hate it so my husband is off to one now in a while and I'm like I'm going down to visit my parents in Dingle and you do you and I'll do me and why should I I don't have to prove anything to myself by going to this festival that sure. I actually have no interest in so mm. a big learning for me also was figuring out the difference between my personality and my anxiety what actually suits me as a person and what is being dictated to me by my anxiety because they're very different and if you deny your personality you're not going to feel good okay and is you that know? if you if you don't go for what's right for you yeah. instinctively it's, does that lead just that obviously just leads to more anxiety well yeah like if I if I said no to a great opportunity work-wise that I knew in my heart I know I'm feeling fearful about this but it'd be really good for me and I'll come through and I'll learn a lot if 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 I said the question I asked myself is if you didn't have anxiety would you want to do it oh very good and then if the answer is yes it's your anxiety talking if the answer is no it's your personality it doesn't suit you I mm. think it's so important to lean into who you are what makes you tick that's a great question though even if you, if somebody listening doesn't have anxiety per yeah. se but we Whatever's all have, holding we all back. exactly we all have fears yeah you know and it is the stuff that we all have dreams wants desires yeah and when you examine you know what you want and you think of you know all the elements that are required to make it happen it's it's yourself usually holding your back and i'm 100%. speaking from personal experience here yeah it's those personal fears yeah isn't so it? if you didn't have fear would you want to do it yeah. If everything could go right, would you want to do it? Yes. And if you're still like, oh no, it's just not my scene, then don't push yourself into that environment because then you're, that is creating stress because you're, it's like shoving a square peg into a round hole, I yeah. find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just, uh, this is exactly what I suppose I, I was I was dreaming this podcast mm-hmm. would be about, these kind of conversations, because I think this is the stuff that matters to people. Yeah. You know, it's recognising what we have in our lives already and what we want and then what is that bit in the middle maybe that's holding us back from achieving yeah. it um okay so in terms of where you're at now you're you're in the process of writing the mm-hmm. third book you've had a really successful podcast series um is it hard to plan your day or do you have a typical day for a long time i tried to take what i do and shove it into a traditional working situation like a sit at my desk for eight hours and I used to be, feel so guilty if I wasn't doing that because I feel like my husband will come home and he was my boyfriend at the time and he's like oh what you do today I'm like oh, watch some friends and but now I understand and again it's just about like time give yourself time and being intuitive and knowing what works for you so I will have a certain amount of appointments per week but I won't necessarily know what they are things are so up in the air and actually that's very counterproductive to someone with anxiety I suppose wants to know what's happening and be in control and I had to sort of let go a little bit with that and so now these days I very little would be planned far in advance and I just kind of roll with it and I could do it a little bit more discipline on on putting structure on things but if I feel like having a nap in the middle of the day I'll do it if I want to lie on I'll do it if I want to get up and go to the gym I'll do it and it's just about trusting my body and trusting the way that I work and if I want to sit down and write two chapters that's never happened in one go (laughs) at night I'll do it you know so it's just I guess my mom always said to me in every aspect of everything she just said obey your body and for me that's been such a massive learning is like you know feeling guilty is like I'm absolutely knackered but well you have to get up at 7am because everyone else is like well obey your body your body's communicating with you and I just have so much respect for my body now because for so long it was trying to tell me something Mm. that I wasn't listening Uh, so now I listen I don't listen with like a with a panicked ear but I'm like what can I do to make you feel better now? Yeah. What can what can work for you? So with professional stuff, I've definitely had to 
learn to to roll with it and if I'm feeling really overwhelmed and tired I'll say I'm just gonna close it now I can't write anything my brain has gone to mush I'll come back at it tomorrow yeah you know this is a big big um thing of mine as well like listening tuning into the body and Mm -hmm. the more you do it the better and the quicker you get at kind of spotting the signs yeah are you like boom straight in when you know something is up yeah yeah very rarely will it take me off guard now um and I remember a therapist I had in, in the early days was like it's like seeing a train coming down the tracks from far away and knowing when to get off before it comes mm. um, and usually some some way my body will tell me in some way like I'll know I'll start to feel a bit like antsy if I've been burning the candle about then so if I've just had too much on and I will know now okay I'm going to pencil in a couple of days or I'm going to do nothing I'm not going to make plans for people and I'm not going to feel guilty about it because I need to I'm actually quite introverted in some ways as well and I need to recharge my batteries by myself so it's taken me I guess this long to to know when to step out of my comfort zone and when to actually respect it and go back into it as well yeah what is the dream um situation in terms of minding yourself and nourishing yourself and and feeling calmer and better what what would you do um would it be different things all very simple stuff um just really going back to basics and prioritizing my sleep um, I love sleeping and if, if my sleeping's off something's wrong mm. um, so it's I just I'm a real homebird I love comfort food I just want I go back to probably being quite childlike um, I love nothing more than I have this throw that is just the softest thing in the world I just get on the couch and lie down and like and my husband will say you just lie down there and put on some absolute crap <laughs> on TV and you know he'll make food and I'll I'll pair back things like sugar and caffeine and alcohol and I'll just plan. I've gotten good at saying, you know, if you feel bad for for whatever reason, you can't necessarily change the scenario, but you can say, what's the one thing right now that might make you feel a little bit, just a little bit better. Yeah, and you're good at that because a lot of time when we are feeling, you know, the pressure and whatever mm-hmm. level, we will turn to th- things like sugary snacks or a glass of wine or whatever yeah. it is. Do you know from experience, this does not make me feel better? Yeah, I've had to learn the hard way um, and... I know, especially for anxiety, sugar. I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm having an anxious week, if I even have one chocolate, I'll feel jittery. So really? I just so I just know now. Okay, what's the low hanging fruit in this situation? Take that away. Mm. At least give your body a chance because you're all you're already stimulated. So don't overstimulate it even further. But I would struggle, and I actually I know it's a slippery slope, but with the old glass of Prosecco or something, because like when you feel anxious, it takes the edge off, obviously. But then you don't want to get into a scenario where it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away, mm. and you want to have a drink because of your anxiety or because it makes you feel calm. It's just, there's such a gray area there between drinking for, I guess, the right mm. reasons and drinking for the wrong reasons. And Jesus, I, I, I'm, I don't drink a huge amount, but I would probably look to alcohol sometimes as a therapeutic sure. thing, yeah. which I think a lot of people do. So I just try to be aware of that. Yeah, and it's something that a lot of people are talking about right now. And I think it's a, it's a good topic of conversation. It's one that probably we need to discuss in a completely non-judgmental mm. way and be very open about it because what's right for one person is not going to be right for somebody else. Yeah. But one person is maybe not more right than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Ireland, there is obviously, if we have a massive, massive, massive drinking culture. Mm-hmm. I love... 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Love a glass of wine. I really do. I enjoy it. But I know when, you know, I have a mad blowout and I feel like rubbish and I go, that's it. I'm off. Never drinking again. Mm. And for some people, I suppose they get to a point where they decide that's it. I don't need this in my life. And I think that's a very brave decision to get to, particularly in a culture where Mm. it's all about the pints and it's all about the glass of wine. Now you will and go on. And as you said, for for, especially when you're in an industry as well, where there's an element of performance, be Mm. it on a stage or whatever. And if you get into that kind of a habit where I need something to calm my nerves. It's a dangerous mm. zone to get into because where where is it going to end? I really notice it um, in social situations. And I think I was having this conversation with someone else as well about social media apparently connecting us with people. But actually, I think it's damaging our skills in a social environment in, in the real world. And while I might curate and have a moment to think about what I'm putting up and, you know, edit you edit yourself online you can't really edit yourself in a conversation in real life so I'm noticing now a little bit more that when I'm at parties where I know loads of people but no one particularly well and you're having little conversations with many people I feel like I need the drink to help and I really don't like that that I feel that way and it's maybe it's just a crutch of something to hold um and I just I feel the social anxiety is more now than it ever was in those kinds of situations and I kind of think social media has something to do with it because yeah. you're you, there's a lot of buffers there between you and people yeah um, and we're actually you know not spending that much time with real people because yeah. of it Big you time. know I could feel I could be on my home at home all day for nine hours and but just be on my stories and feel like I'm I have company but it's not real yeah you know so I, I do think with with social anxiety that's probably the reason why most people drink out socially and uh, my own brother had really really hard times with um with a speech difficulty with a a stammer and he used to not be able to order a certain drink because he wouldn't be able to get the words out until he had a couple of drinks so and you know so he had to kind of realize that as well like he was so fluent when he had drinks but it's like well you don't want to go down that route you want to address it so I just think it's something I still probably go home and have a glass of Prosecco tonight but you know just to be aware no no totally no totally especially when you're doing it for mental health yeah. Reasons. Yeah, and I know I love I love how frank you are, and I think the more we we talk in a very honest way, and not I suppose hold ourselves back for fear of perception or whatever, because mm-hmm. actually all stories 
on the scale of non-drinking and drinking deserve to be heard and yeah. I think I just think it's an interesting uh, topic that seems to be mm. jumping up on different people's social platforms at the moment so it's obviously up for a reason um, you mentioned Dingle there you said your hobby was going mm. after a festival and you were heading down I've seen I've seen I've seen you down with your folks and I've just like if ever if ever I felt like I wanted to be transported mm. to a place it's when I'm watching you and your stories really? in the pub and the music Dingle is fabulous anyway but yeah. the crack looks amazing down there it's please amazing. tell me about your connection to Dingle and your families so I wasn't born there neither were my parents my mom is from Cork my dad is a dub but my they my dad played music all through his life he actually was like support act for Christy Moore at one point, I think. Wow, uh, okay, so we're dealing with a really good musician Well, your dad. Well, I don't know if, well, oh God, if he listens to this, yes, he is yes, really dad, good. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't even know if he's listened to my podcast or even read my book. Um, but <laughs> they just started, they were like going around country doing ballad gigs, kind of stuff like that. Um, and my mom was in, uh, did you ever hear something called the Tops of the Towns? Yeah, 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 of course. And so she hey, was in that. Hey, I'm 40, she of course was, I have. <laughs> <laughs> they both worked in Erlingus, they met there and then they were always doing these gigging weekends away and they went to Dingle a lot. I think my mom would have gone there with her family when she was kid because they were from Cork so it was just let's go half an hour down the road for the summer holiday for two weeks. Um, and... They just fell in love with it and then they eventually, they bought a site with my grandparents, um, they had a bit of money, they did that and then all, our, all my grandparents died within nine months of each other and then they built the house, a holiday home and then we were going down every year or several times a year and then eventually when I was in my house and my brother is pretty set up, he's older than me in London, they were like, we're going to sell the family home, we're moving down to Dingle and we're going to have like an early retirement and I remember I was freaked, I was like, What? Like, you can't leave me. And now I just see how unbelievably happy they are. And I didn't realise how much a difference it would make for them to be there. And Dingle is like this little microcosm. It's not like living in rural Ireland. There's so much going on there. There's so much culture. There's different festivals every week. I got invited to a literary uh, festival they're having in November now, a brand new one. They've got the film festival. My mom, I actually have to like book in a time to ring her because she's got so much going on. (laughs) She's in a choir and loads of different things. So it's just when I go down there, time just slows down I actually leave my phone at home or wherever and we go out and just breathe in the sea air and we just have nice comfort food and I probably do resort to slightly like childlike dependency and of course when my brother's there and all we start killing each other (laughs) having family arguments and I go back to being like a 12 year old little girl yeah yeah um I think everyone assumes that role when they're when they're back with their parents I totally Um, agree with you but it's it's nice doesn't matter what age you are and you know what it's just so nice to be looked after sometimes and you know, my mom said, come down now. So I had a stressful period for a while and she was like, just, I want you to just come down and we'll just have some nice, they call them wet dinners. So like, you know, like gravy and mashed potato and roast chicken. And that to me Yum. is like the ultimate comfort in yeah. like, particularly in a bowl. Oh, it yeah, has to be nice. in a bowl. It has to be in the cou- on a couch with a blanket. Um, so just that kind of really basic stuff that makes me feel nurtured. So I'm just uh, thinking of you like, like I don't know, just all wrapped up even on a hot summer's day. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're there the sweating yeah. away, eating oh, the schwads. My dad, I'm absolutely roasting just looking at you and I'm like, I'm just a cold <laughs> creature. I can't help it. But I do definitely, comfort is my, is my big thing. And I think in these days with all the kind of go get them, badass career stuff, people are saying how awful the comfort zone is and how you get trapped in it and it's holding you back and actually I think it's very important that we we obviously step out of it but we also have respect for it and go back into it because that's where you rest and that's where you heal so I call them stretch zone experiences where you step outside of your comfort zone a little bit you go into the worry or fear zone and then you come back and you take what you've learned with you and then your comfort zone expands so it's not about living up here on number nine, ten, always on the edge because you'll absolutely burn out. Yeah. So I step out of my comfort zone, do my thing and then I go back to it. I love this. And it is about like recharging 
you know, retreating, all yeah. of that. There's a time and a place for everything. You can, if you can't be go, go, go all the time. No, and people who are go, go, go all the time will hit out. that roadblock. Yeah. And then it's, unfortunately, it's only when people go through really hard times that they realise the importance of looking after themselves. And I hope that whether people are reading my books or listening to our conversation now, they don't have to get to that point of complete burnout before they realise how much, I, for me, a metric of success feeling well is. Yeah, just going back to your folks again mm-hmm. and the the fab, I suppose, uh, upbringing you must have had with all this amazing music in the house. Are you guys, yourself and your brother, are you musical as well? I play the piano. Okay. My brother is very mathematical, um, tried to learn the guitar, wasn't great at it. Sorry, Daniel. Um, so I would be, and my nana would have played the music. So me, me, my dad and my nana, we were just like really creative. And then my mom's side would be more kind of businessy side, I suppose. Okay, um, I bet you have savage sing songs, do you? Oh yeah, they're the best. They're so good. Every time we're down at Dingle, my dad has several guitars whip them out what are the party pieces give it, give them oh to me oh god with all the old ballads my favourite one is Grace oh it's beautiful absolutely beautiful my dad I ask him to sing it every time and he's like oh Caroline I don't remember it I'm like you do know it and it makes me cry every time I think yeah, it's just the most beautiful amazing. thing amazing oh fab. and it just brings me back to comfort and childhood yeah, to- completely 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 and when you're down Dingle and the sea it's so it's so cleansing isn't it yeah. it's all of oh, that oh you sleep like a baby You because you live in the space of being completely open and, and, and honest I kind of want to just go a little bit further afield yeah. and talk about like what you what you think this whole living of a life is all about so do you think do you think that when you die this that's the end do you think there is no more or do you believe in the concept of heaven and hell what is your belief system what happens to us if I think about the fact that there's nothing else going to happen that freaks me out and I have to I think we wouldn't get out of bed And we wouldn't be motivated if we didn't think there was something higher happening. I'm not religious, but I feel maybe a spiritual sort of connection. Um, I definitely feel that everything happens for a reason. So I don't know what it is. I haven't put a name on it or quantified it or anything. But I do feel that there is some maybe divine thing happening above us that's got the bigger picture uh, in its mind and we're just tiny parts of it I do I always visualize heaven and I always you know from maybe maybe I think it's that particular episode of the Simpsons where they have heaven and it's like a steps with clouds and the gate and then I don't know not letting someone in maybe I maybe that was a dream I don't know uh, but I imagine it like as the way a child would imagine heaven and it's for me that's just a comforting thing mm. um I if I if I start to think about death or our mortality, which I, I know is sometimes we need to confront it because it'll make us snap out of something trivial. But if I give it too much thought, I really start to freak out. I cannot understand why we're here for such a short time. It freaks me out. Mm. And I would like to think that we are here for a reason. And I would like, I, th- I think for me, one of the biggest motivations is to make a difference to even one person and to leave some sort of legacy behind and to have lived a life where I wasn't so focused on the end goal which might never be reachable because it's always changing but for my goal to be driven by what kind of lifestyle do I want to have every day and that doesn't you don't need loads of money for that you, you need very small little you don't need much for that at all yeah and I think um I think if we could all realize that I think that's for like the secret to happiness Mm. really is to think about the life you want to have every day and not where do I want to be or I'll be happy when or I'll be happy if very very simple things I think are really what it's all about but again I think it's only when you go through something hard that you realize how important that is and how not important so much of the stuff that we're striving towards really is you have so much wisdom (laughs) at such a I mean I know you know it's all relative so me saying you're young you might not feel it for you but you are I do feel very young yeah I'm 31 I feel yeah do you know and you have like you speak in a way uh, you speak like somebody who's lived uh, already a long Mm. life of experience and I suppose when you 
when you are faced with challenges, it does almost, it expands. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I have an old soul and I've always really connected with people who are older than me. Even with things like music, like my most played music on Spotify is like Frank Sinatra, all that stuff. And Barry's like, would you ever enter this century? And I just feel like I was meant to be born in a different era or something. A bit like Ryan Trubbery, the way he says that. Yeah. I just like love the idea of just like the simpler times. Were you always this way? Did you always feel like there was something bigger and, you know, or is it something that has come deepened over time? Yeah, absolutely. Because I when I was feeling really bad and I was going through a really hard time, I just kept saying, why is this happening to me? Why would whoever would do this to me or what have I done to deserve this? So I guess I've always spoken as if there's something else going on. Um, and I think as a kid, I think all kids probably need to have some sort of um, creation in their head, whether it's heaven, hell, God, anything to help them just rationalize and understand life. Because how, how else would a child cope with death in the family? Like my well, so my mom's dad died when she was pregnant with me, which would have been quite hard for her. And then my other three grandparents died within a couple of months of each other. And I remember, this is terrifying. It's really intense. I went, my parents. You said nine months before, did you? Yeah. yeah so, so within like nine months. One, all and then a couple, another wow. one later on and then another one. Okay. So nine months. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? I remember my parents brought me to, and I've said this before, brought me to see my granddad in the morgue. Um, a while ago, my granddad was like swinging me around, happy as Larry. And then I went, I brought him in. They brought me in to see him and the coffin lid had broken his nose okay and I'm looking at my lovely granddad in the coffin white dead cold with a smashed face and I've never been more terrified in my life and I actually do think and I remember it for ages after that I wouldn't I refused to sleep by myself I was like and my parents would say things like oh but your nan and granddad are with you and I was like don't fucking tell me that (laughs) they're a ghost like I don't want them to be with me they're like that was the worst thing you could say to someone with a very overactive imagination and I remember oh oh, sorry for that so much but that is proper but I was traumatized (laughs) and I think it's those little things for a kid where you can't a kid can't rationalize it and a parent doesn't necessarily indulge the kid because like ah don't be silly but actually if my parents had sat down with me and tried to understand my worries yeah maybe I would have processed it a little bit better and I do think I think it's so important even to this day and age for any adult as well is to treat their anxieties and worries as though it's an inner child because Mm. it's your amygdala so it's a part of your brain that feels fear and worry and it reacts like a a child who feels threatened and scared and if you just say don't be ridiculous you're going to make it freak out even more like a little monkey inside your head whereas if you come down to its level and say okay what is this about what can I do to make you feel better it's like you're it's like telling a child don't be stupid but actually if you come for the child they feel understood they feel heard so for me it's the same with yourself yeah I really trust in the concept of of inner child work you kind of mentioned it in different ways throughout Mm -hmm. our conversation apparently my inner child is three years old were you skeptical before you actually kind of looked at it as a concept I've always been I've always been open to things like star signs and we were talking about mercury being retrograde I love blaming that on everything um (laughs) so yeah I've always had like a spiritual thing to me and I think it just helps to make sense of things I think if you know I have arguments with my husband he's obviously he's an engineer and he's very scientific and I'm like he's telling me no this can't happen this is not possible and I'm like but that's just such a grim way to live like it just even whatever I can do to put meaning on things to make life easier for me I do yeah I think I've always done that but at the same time when you live probably when your mind is kind of up there in the ether you can for, you can kind of feel overwhelmed and anxious about things that aren't actually real. So for me, a common sort of thing I have to do is is bring it back with my anxious thoughts. It's like how much of that is actually a fact or opinion? 
mm. how much is that's actually happening what is the proof to say that you're going to fail this test or whatever so you know because like because if you have a wild imagination you can think about the worst possible case scenario all the time yeah to get like getting back to three-year-old um yeah. caroline how did that come about so i was doing a couple of sessions of numerology Mm-hmm. Uh, with a numerologist, obviously, and uh, it was my ex. For those listening who have never heard the concept before, like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. What is numerology? How would you describe it? Oh God, it's been a long time since I did it. It's basically just um, looking at your your life's path and your, I guess, the plan for you based on your numbers. So it's more specific than your star sign. So it's the time of the day of the year that you came into the world. Um, and we all have a, a specific number. You probably know more about this than I do. No, no, not really. Um, not really. But, but I, I do know a tiny bit, but you're so describing it was, it far it better than I would. So it was a woman who my ex-boyfriend's mother knew this woman. And I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. <laughs> she like booked me in for my birthday. And I was really sceptical. And the woman was just like a really normal, lovely woman. Mm-hmm. Her name was uh, Grania, actually. And uh, I was like, well, she's obviously not bats. So I'll sit down <laughs> with her for a while. And she started telling me things about myself that I was just like, you are literally describing me in a nutshell. And All I just, right. it was so comforting for me for me to hear it. And she told me I was going to be a writer, but long before I'd even written an article, I was still in college. And um, just so many things. And then I went to her a few times and it just was such a comforting thing. Um, and she ta- she just told me, she, she did whatever way she did the maths, she could, you could figure out what your inner child age was. And so she's the one who said, your inner child is three. And I was like, that is so right because my inner child is so frightened. Mm. And, you know, is so young and hasn't gotten that stage yet where it can rationalize things. So that was, for me, it was a comfort. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put too much weight on it. I wouldn't live my life according to it. But I think those kind of things are nice, you know, and I've, I actually have been saying I'd love to go back to a fortune teller. Actually, I haven't been to one ever. I'd love to go to one. But I think you're going, when you go to one, you're looking for answers, you know, um, and I'm also, I'm very terrified that they'll tell me I'll die or something. It's an interesting one. It's probably a conversation for another day, yeah. but I do think there are a lot of people who are genuinely gifted out there and a lot who are so. coming from a business point of view. Yeah. So it's about really finding the ones that are yeah. the real but deal fairness, as it were. If I knew someone but who was really gifted, I'd be like, monetize that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking at your life so far from, you know, infant to child, to teenager, young woman into where you're at now 31 could you say there was a period of your life that were you you know where you were the most content as it were or do you feel you're there now I feel like I'm only there now yeah I wasn't content as a child I was scared I was anxious teenage years I had phases of time where I was good but I had always had problems with my stomach and only now do I realize that was all anxiety the fear of God in me to ever say anything that I was actually worried about. I remember being like dragged off to parties when I was in like fourth and fifth year and I was like having the most visceral panic attacks but not having the courage to say it. And so then it just kind of snowballed in my body. I just felt so out of step with the rest of the world. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt like none of my friends, they were like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you always sick? And I was like, oh, I just bug. That's just lasted a really long time. Mm. I felt like even though I was popular or whatever and I had friends and you know I did well in school I felt like an outsider for my the way I experienced things and the way I felt afraid of things and the way everyone else was wanted to go as far away from home as possible and go on J1s in college I was like oh my god I could think of nothing worse I was so afraid of being away from my literal comfort zone of my family um, and then in my early 20s then actually when I moved out of my house and started a new job that's when the shit really hit the fan for me with the anxiety and I also mm. do think now part of that was probably letting go of my com- my literal comfort zone of my parents home and then 
entering a new home with my boyfriend I think that was probably quite an adjustment even subconsciously um and then I went through those those awful few years and I think honestly only like probably approaching 30 and now do I feel more sure of who I am and accepting of it and just content and the contentment I feel is the most you know it's not based on anything like being at a cool party it's like waking up on a Sunday morning and having Barry brings up the dog and he sits with on with us on the bed and we might have breakfast in bed and watch some Netflix and that like it does not get better than that to me yeah and like if I can appreciate that I think it's a really good place to be isn't that what it's all about though appreciating the simple stuff yeah I'm just so I'm so so grateful to yeah. for how simple that is and it's just yeah that is what it's all about and it's never going to be about anything anything more grandiose for me yeah, I hope I hope I don't get carried away. <laughs> well, you're using your experience constantly to grow and develop and improve yeah. and, and not just yourself, but the impact you're having on those around you and yeah. those who listen to you and those who read your books and all the rest. And if this doesn't um, is if, if this is not anxiety inducing as a question as well, I just mm-hmm. finish up with Caroline in five years time, 10 years time. You don't strike me as somebody who necessarily has like a life's plan, as it were, no. even though you're a constant creative force and you're constantly doing do you have anything like down the line? Um, this is, really. this is what so I'm what hoping for. What tends to happen with me with my creative ideas is I'll think of it and I will literally sit down and make it happen within a day. And so I'm very reactive and I'm very impulsive. And actually sometimes that goes against me. Um, I, I guess I look ahead and I imagine myself. I want to just basically my goal is I want to maintain what I am doing now. I don't have any lofty goals of being, you know, I don't know where else I could go, but I don't want to be like famous with the books. I don't want, I want to just be able to sustain the way I feel right now. And for me, that's continuing to write. Um, I would like to have, I mean, my books come out in America. I would like for them to have a bit of impact over there. Obviously. What if What if you don't have a choice? What if fame is part and parcel of, of the gig? You know, you are a name that people know now and that's growing and growing and growing. Yeah. What if it happens? I oh god deal with that when it happens I suppose my negative my negativity bias would say that's not going to happen okay I I haven't I haven't entertained the thought that I could be that successful um but I guess it's how you how you measure success really um but I I don't know I think I mean I wouldn't like to be recognized on the street but I would love to be I would love to be known for something that's of value that's you know not just fame for fame's sake or anything like that I would love to that, I think that kind of fame or just familiarity I'd be okay with having that legacy and knowing that you created something that made a difference to people and if you get known for that then that's a good thing wouldn't that be the greatest achievement anyway isn't that what it's all about yeah so yeah, yeah. Caroline thank you so much thank for you. a really interesting conversation I've got a lot out of it and I'm sure those listening have as well so thank you thank you so much Sheila If you enjoyed this week's conversation, please share it with friends and take a moment to rate, review and hit subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And if there's anyone you'd like me to have a chat with, please do get in touch on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You'll find me at Sheila Show again. Thanks so much for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.